hello and welcome to the Franchise Life. I am your host, Stacey Shannon. Today I have a rock star group with me that we are going to dive into one of the most incredible fitness franchise brands in the industry today. So my special guest and you know, it's not often that I actually get the founder on the call, but today we have Rick Mayo, who is the CEO and founder of Alloy Fitness. And also we have with us Clay Allen, who is the Director of Development for Alloy. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. All right. So we're going to start with Rick today because, uh, this franchise or concept actually launched in 1992, but they did not start franchising until 2019. And in the past several years, uh, have awarded over 90 franchise licenses throughout the United States. And within the next couple of weeks are expected to hit 100. That is awesome. Congratulations, gentlemen. Thank you. Yeah. So, Rick, uh, there's nobody better than yourself to give us an overview of your background, which is so rich and in-depth. So tell us how you, you know, what was happening in 1992 and how did this brand get launched? Well, I, I think, Stacy, if you can picture this, I had a, I had a mullet. <laughs> I was wearing a muscle pants and a fanny pack. So that was happening. Um, which was amazing, brilliant, gorgeous. You should have seen the, <laughs> the, the flow. But all kidding aside, I, I was paying my way through school as a personal trainer, and I thought, you know, I don't want to travel to people's homes anymore. Bounce from health club to health club. Now, imagine at the time when you told someone you were a personal trainer, you had to literally explain what it was. That's how long ago it was. Imagine a time when you were in business with no internet, which is almost hard to believe that you could even function without internet, but you could. It was possible. I proved it. So. I thought, you know, wouldn't it be great instead of bouncing around town if we could put four walls and a customer experience around this high-end service of personal training? And again, I was junior in college and, you know, scraped together enough funds to do that. And then we launched uh, what I would consider, at least in our area, the first ever facility dedicated to just that service of personal training. And, you know, it went really well at the time. It was kind of what all the cool kids did, Stacey. So I like, you know, was Madonna's trainer, went on tour with her and Usher and all these like famous folks were my customers at the time. Wow. And that was sort of what personal training was because it was so new and cutting edge that anyone like had a trainer that um, that was sort of the crowd that we had in here. And then eventually it evolved and we evolved with it, which was great. It became like a viable industry. And um it, you know, again, the cool kids moved on to gosh knows what the heck they were doing at that point. But we had like what I would consider like myself, regular folks that were coming in and just trying to get to a healthier place. And so we know we knew we needed to be able to scale it a bit because one on one training was it wasn't a, a super great scalable business model. It was very expensive for the consumer. So what we landed on was this interesting way to service personal training where we could keep the brand promise, but service more than one person at one time. Not a class, mind you, but a small you know, personal training in a small group setting. And once we did that, it really launched our business. You know, it became more affordable for the consumer, a better business model for us as a business. And we scaled it and became the highest revenue per square foot facility in the country. That put me on the radar for speaking gigs and consulting. And we started having people like 
you know, asking for parts and pieces of what we do. Can we buy your sales system? Can you write our workouts? How about your induction system? You name it, any function of the business, right? What's your hiring process? I mean, you name it. And we thought, you know, it'd be cool if we just clean this up and put it on a platform. And we launched at the time what we called licensing. Now that can be confusing in this world because as I've learned since, that's also what you call awarding a, a, you know, a license in a franchise structure. But think of that as like a white labeled version of what we do. And we ended up putting that before we went to franchising in, in 2,500, you know, doors worldwide, everywhere from India to Cyprus to Dubai, Tasmania, I mean, you name it, everywhere in the world, we had, you know, alloy, but it was white label and it would be powering a different brand. And through that, that put me on the board for some of the largest fitness franchises, largest overall franchises in the world. So got a nice peek under the covers at what that looked like. And then in 2019, we had a lot of boutique fitness, which would be considered our category, coming to us, asking for help as well, write our workouts, help us with our sales system. And we thought, you know what, like instead of powering everyone else's, let's just do our own. And so at the very end of 2019, we pivoted to full franchising. I think January of 2020, we sold eight licenses. And I was like, this is so easy. And then I don't know if you guys remember, but this thing happened somewhere around March of 2020. And it sort of set us back a bit. But Back on it, we partnered with the Repum team, which Clay's our rep. He's on the call. Great group. Um, and they really gave us bandwidth and understanding of scaling a franchise. And uh, like you said earlier, we're sitting at almost 100, 100 units sold. So it's it's been crazy. And it's early innings, but it's so far so good. So new to franchising, certainly not new to the fitness space. What inc- an incredible history. I, you know, it's a lot of brands, and I'm a huge fan of emerging brands. But, you know, although, you know, 100 or less or 150 or less licenses or franchises in the system is considered still an emerging brand, but with your history of the licensing, um, international licensing, even so, I mean, there is so much depth there and experience that one can hardly even consider you an emerging franchise at this point. Um So you mentioned this little thing called COVID, and I'm not understating it by any means, but from a business perspective, COVID, and especially the fitness industry, suffered terribly. So what I have read about Alloy Personal Training, though, is that during COVID, your locations maintained an average of 96% retention. How did you do that? Well, a couple of things. I mean, one of the things that makes our brand unique, you know, fitness, certainly a boutique space, there's quite a bit of churn, right? And so when you typically look at a fitness business that's class-based, which most boutique fitness is, um, you know, you're, you're selling, you know, you're doing a lot of selling and marketing, and you're really doing that to mitigate churn. And if you want to net grow a certain amount of clients, you might have to sell 50 memberships a month. You might lose 40 out of the back door, you know, so you're net growing like 10, right? You sold 50 and lost 40. We've always been really good at, at holding. And so, you know, our claimed retention rates and our, and our um, FDD are really high. And that's great. So it's like, you know, we only need 130 members. So it's like a small tribe of people. And because of that, you know, everyone's name, you know, their family's name, they know your name, your family's name. It just creates more intimacy and you have the ability to maintain these relationships and it's personal training. So you're approaching each person as an individual. So you can imagine something like COVID kicks off and, okay, we had these really strong relationships with people. We knew exactly what their goals were. We knew what their injuries were. I mean, all the things that a personal trainer should know about you. And it just so happens that we had the person 
perfect piece of technology sitting there that we were using for giving people homework, if you will, like that third workout a week, or here's how many steps you need to get. And it does everything, Stacey. It pulls in wearables. You can track nutrition. I mean, it does all the things that, say, an online personal training tech tool would use. And it just so happens it was perfectly positioned for COVID. So we simply put our clients into buckets and put coaches in charge of those buckets. And it allowed us an opportunity to build a playbook for online training. And while we reduced our rates a little bit, because, you know, people were paying for in-person and there was some perceived loss of that. So we lost a little bit of revenue, but the headcount stayed the same, which means when we were allowed to reopen, we were able to take them right back to normal rates and, and didn't lose a step. So it was a combination of tight relationships based on this, you know, the number of clientele that a healthy alloy will hold um, and the technology tools that were just happened to be the perfect tool for a situation like that, which no one could have foreseen, but we got really lucky in that respect. Yeah, absolutely. So Clay, let me turn to you. Um, this is a space I am very familiar with. I owned a boutique fitness studio from 2014 to 2019. Rick, I can certainly identify with you know, how you really, that level of intimacy where you get to know your clients and so forth. And that's really part of what I love about this business model. With that said, uh, you know, introducing the franchise system in 2019, Clay, you are a first point of contact for most people that are interested in learning more about alloy personal training how do you, you know, I would think that the individuals that are coming to you, number one, they're going to be passionate about health and wellness. Um, because I do believe, and as a franchise broker, I deal with this on a day-to-day -day basis, there is still some fear around uh, maybe the fitness industry or brick and mortars. I mean, it's getting better, but that still exists. How do you position alloy personal training when you introduce it for the first time to a prospect? Great question. Um, <laughs> majority of the candidates we're showing to fall within our age demographic, right? 45 to 65. So they are able to either, they understand the fact that they need to focus on health and wellness, nutrition, fitness, things along those lines, or they already have that passion to pour into it. So that's a great starting point to be able to pivot off that. But our model as a whole, and this is because there are some pre uh, preconceived notions about fitness, getting into the franchise, the woes associated with it. I address this early and often as far as our model, there is staying power in this in the sense that we're not modality based. There's not going to be a type of training or technology that's going to just completely blindside us a year from now that's going to make what we're doing obsolete. As the science and the research behind human performance continues to grow, we're able to be dynamic with it, adapt to the times, continue to grow, continue to sharpen the sword, and you know just as easily adopt any of those training modalities as we can drop them. So being able to speak to that address it through our model as we're going through the presentation, that really helps put people's mind at ease and see the fact that we're operating off of scarcity at the end of the day. 130 people out of a 30,000 person market were serving an underserved niche, the 45 to 65 year old, when the majority of fitness concepts are targeting the 28 to 35 year old female leaning. So 
the ability to operate in this white space, there will be a Pepsi to our Coke at some point, <laughs> really differentiates us and people, it, it resonates, right? Especially when you're showing to the people that are our target market and our service offering. And just going back to my experience as a boutique fitness owner, I owned an indoor spin studio, indoor cycling studio. I am very prejudiced because of my experience. Um, when somebody does show an interest in fitness, alloy fits the bill for me. And um, this is why, because what I learned is although indoor cycling was great and we had individuals that were very passionate about it, it really did not provide an all body workout. So for me, when I show a brand, it is so important that it's a concept that could be a one-stop shop for an individual as far as uh, a membership goes. So Clay, do you mind just diving into a little bit about, uh, you know, what the Alloy personal training experience looks like for one of the clients, what the class size looks like, um, you know, the different ways they can utilize their membership. And from an investor standpoint, what's the footprint of a brick and mortar look like for Alloy? No, hold on, Clay, before you say that, so Stacey. There's one rule that we have at Alloy. If you use the C word, it's a really dirty word. So if you say class, that oh. could buy you some burpees. And so I, <laughs> I, I saw Clay and I both flinched a little bit. One, out of fear for burpees. And two, it's just a real dirty word. So I just want to warn you ahead of time, if Clay made a weird face, that's why. Because we've just beaten into everybody on the team. You can't say the word class. All <laughs> right. It's just kind of an inside joke. You're like, <laughs> look, give me a minute. I was in the space. And, and that being said, it becomes a joke. But like we're really, you know, we work hard to differentiate it from like, again, like a cycling concept. You could take a class. But for us, it's all personal training service in a small group setting. So anyway, that's why we flinched and, and we kind of giggled about that. that gotcha. C word. But everyone, everyone does it just to give you a heads up and we always get a kick out of it. So sorry for the interruption. Clay, have at it, my friend. Thank you. Appreciate you. <laughs> softball. So as Rick just alluded, we're doing small group personal training, right? One coach, four to six clientele. And we're session based. We're looking at, based on the standard hours of operation, 55 sessions a week. 10 Monday through Friday, five on Saturday, closed on Sunday. That's operating at about 80% efficiency, give or take, right, Rick, for 130 mm -hmm. capacity. And prior to a consumer ever joining us, training at Alloy, paying us a dime, they go through what we call a starting point session. And this is where we really start to peel back the onion and get to know the individual. So a lot of concepts, you'll come in, pay your membership fee, you get X amount of sessions per month, you got any issues, yeah, my back's kind of bothering me. It's a hard stop there. We take it many layers deeper. So we want to know your passion. You know, what's your why? What do you want to be able to do at a higher rate for a longer time? Downhill skiing when it's that time of year, you know, playing in the backyard with grandkids because we want to marry what we're doing in Alloy to that. And dovetailing off it, 45 to 65-year-olds have earned what we call chinks in the armor. They've been around the sun enough times to earn those. So the bum knee, the tennis elbow, the frozen shoulder, those are going to be the don'ts, the modifications we make for the individual. Then the other end of the spectrum is going to be the quantitative, where we really start to dive into their movement, start to understand how they move and how we may need to modify the workout to accommodate their movement. And then we have the in-body, which is the science behind what we do, 
And with this, we're really able to start to rewire the way people think about fitness and give them metrics to base that off of. Because the majority of people, the only frame of reference they have for fitness is that dusty scale sitting in the corner of the house. <laughs> so we start there. And those don'ts and that strength level that we establish on the front end, those aren't limiting factors. People book according to their availability. Our standard membership types are three times a week, two times a week, one time a week. Two to three times are our bread and butter. Those are the people that are with us for a long time. As far as investment range, we're looking at 200 to 400K all in, single license. And as far as our avatar, I would say... 45 to 65 year old, right? The majority of the people we see, you don't have to have the through and through fitness background to be in, to be successful in this. We need people that can lead, right? I think, Rick, you want to speak to this a little further as far as your ability to lead and be successful within this model? Yeah, I mean, shoot, Stacey, this isn't lost on you. It's like you have to, you know, most of our folks that are buying in, they're investor types and they're just, you just need to hire a good leader to run your business. That's all. We always use the lens when we're when we're you know basically vetting candidates. Um, you know, we always say, "Are you the person you're looking for?" Is looking for. You know, and it came out of an interesting podcast I was listening to once, where a, a young lady was telling her mom, "Mom, I want to, I want to get married, and I want a guy that's successful, and this, and you know, this and that." She listed this laundry list of these great attributes, and her mother says to her in the most heartbreaking way, "Oh, honey, you're not the person you're looking for. Is looking for." And so, you know, we, we take that idea and it's like, listen, is this person sitting in front of me? They don't have to be a fitness guru or what have you. Can they attract a outgoing? You can imagine the type of person that needs to be in front to get their arms around 130 people and act as their true coach, right? Um, you know, can they attract that type of person? And as Clay mentioned, look, we're going to measure the way you move with a tangible score. That tool comes from the highest level physical therapist used in professional athletes. Now, if you're 60 years old and overweight, do you really want to hear that? Maybe not, but I can tell you it's very technical and that's that's good. You should be proud of what you know we're putting into market as a franchisee. We're going to measure your body composition. And then we've got these measurements along the way. So, you know, there's that fine line between the science, which some boutique fitness goes heavy on entertainment, maybe light on the science. And I think there's a good mix, right? Like we can really individually program around almost any kind of injury or you know, limitation, or if you're super fit, great. But there's also the customer experience side of it. And right in the middle of that, Stacey's where the rubber meets the road, as you know, right? Like, can we provide everybody what they need at their level around their injuries with their goals and make it a heck of a lot of fun to come in, right? And that's the key. I think some fitness brands heavy on entertainment, low on, you know, programming, maybe some strong on programming, not that much fun. And I think to, to really be a personal training brand, you got to do both. And we worked really hard to do that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. The, the last thing tailing off that is we have two primary roles in this. We have the owner operator. These are people that are acting as their own general managers and they're servicing revenue, coaching, running their business day to day. They got two part-time employees under them. Then you have the semi-absentee where we see the majority of our franchisees. These are the people hiring the general manager to coach 50% of the sessions, run the business day to day and the two part-timers underneath them, and they're doing aerial overwatch. So you yeah. spoke about, uh, I mean, this is a highly personalized uh, offering, per se. Um, so you've spoken about you really need about 130 members uh, to make this uh, a successful, I mean, that is your sweet spot, is 130 members. 
which your retention rates are also off the charts for the fitness industry. There's, I think it's in the 90% range um, for two to three years. Is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, claimed is is 97% retention. So, you know, that's, that's unbelievable, actually, in the fitness space. And surprisingly, boutique fitness is, is typically worse on retention than just general service health clubs, probably because of the price threshold. So if you have any non-users, they're going to wash out. But you can imagine there's a certain price threshold, Stacey, that you'll understand as a consumer and having owned a boutique fitness where you if you pay a certain amount, it's disruptive enough where you'll actually use it, right? Like you can imagine like a, a fitness model that's based on a $10 a month membership. It's like part of that model, kind of a dirty secret, but part of that model is a lot of people are going to you know, pay 10 bucks for the notion that like come Monday, I'll show up and then they don't, but like it's 10 bucks, right? Whereas with us, if you're paying three, $400 a month almost, right? Like you're going to use that. So our usage is really high and that's the kind of business I'd like to have anyway. I don't want to build a business model on non-usage, right? So usage is really high and that price threshold is disruptive enough that it gets people to pay attention, which is actually a good thing, not only for your business, but for the customer as well, because you, know, you can't help them if they don't show up, right? Absolutely. So I think one thing that uh, has been very spoken in volumes is your pre-sale campaigns. So uh, given you are not counting on many or hundreds of members, uh, I know that marketing is very targeted and so forth, but in reading about the pre-marketing campaigns um, and membership sales, even prior to doors opening, it is, has been very successful. So can you talk a little bit uh, about what that looks like, Clay? Absolutely. So 10 to 12 weeks out from grand opening, this is when we're initiating our pre-sales process. And that's going to be twofold. So we have our digital marketing campaign, primarily through Facebook, because that's what our demographic is using, as well as our boots on ground organic. So setting up tents, community events, networking. And the goal of this is to create a huge sales funnel. So that's going to be like five to 600 touches. Could be even bigger in your more popular uh, population dense areas. From there, we want to capitalize on 16 to 21% of those, convert those touches into memberships on day one. So that's when our GM is initiating those pre-sales calls, reaching out to those individuals, starting step one of that starting point process, getting to know them. What do you, what's your why? What do you need? How can we help you? And converting over during pre-sales into memberships on day one. So we've had great success with that throughout the process. Um, and we're even, you know, pulling some of this internally as well. Optional offering pre-sale specialists to help assist our franchisees during this process, help them get well north of that 75 minimum on day one. In some of our markets, Stacey, like, it depends on the market, as you guys know, like franchising is weird. You know, when I transferred to fran from franchising, I was coming from consulting where I would say, if you do these five things, you're going to make this much money. And then I get to franchising like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, you might be successful. But I will tell you this, you know, we're requiring that you open with 75. What does that mean? We have all the software and mechanisms to have someone sign an agreement digitally and collect credit card information. That's a hold. It's like a, it's like a hotel reservation, right? You want to, you want to get in the gym. So only 130 spots. We have true scarcity, make your reservation. I think we'd be a great fit. Easy peasy, right? So 
in most of our markets, if they're opening at 75, that would put them at least at break even, if not a little bit in the black, which is a great place to be in a business, right? Um, again, it depends on the market, but that's been happening thus far. And in there are, is the opportunity to sell your club completely full. Um, you know, we've got clubs in pre-sale now. We've got one in Greenville, South Carolina, and they just started a couple of weeks ago and they have 48 members signed up already. And so they're only two weeks in and it's a 12-week pre-sale. So you, the math is pretty easy there. They're probably going to reach that threshold, right? So it's something we've been doing forever because we've been in the industry for 31 years. We've been helping other clubs do it through our licensing play. And this, everything from the software and the mechanisms and the tra sales training, like Clay mentioned, we have an internal sales hit team. If you want to employ us to run your phone pre-sales, which can be a little bit more sales acumen than an in-person sale, we're happy to give you that bandwidth as well because it's critical. I mean, who doesn't want to open a business, you know, at break even or better? It's like, geez, that's a great position to put yourself in. So I think, honestly, that may be one of the most compelling stories that we have and that we can continue to tell for potential investors is like the ramp time, right? Can be really good if you run the play right, all, all the stars align, which so far so good. So, you know, expectations would be that you get 75, but hey, you could blow right through that and, and open with a full gym if everything works out the way that it's supposed to and you run the play correctly. And that is a significant uh, discriminator for you guys because all the insight I have into different um even beyond fitness brands, just the many hundreds of franchise concepts out there, the ability to have revenue day one of opening your doors is phenomenal. Uh, so let's talk about the employee landscape a little bit. Uh, we've talked about this can be an owner operator model, or it can be semi passive where and, and I know that you guys do have a lot of multi unit uh, investors where that are semi-passive. So in that scenario, individuals or the investor would be putting a general manager in place. And I would assume in a multi-unit scenario, that general manager could perhaps oversee several locations. Would that be accurate? Um, for the most part, I think like one of the things that makes the, the model work and the reason the, the overall labor costs can be relatively low compared to other concepts is that the Operator actually services some revenue. So let's say you've got the operator on a salary, right, to start. Well, some of that salary expense is mitigated by the fact that that person is servicing 20 hours or so a week of revenue. And that's good. I mean, there's not much going on in a very simple business model. So to have that, you know, the face of the business, again, the person that puts their arms around those 130 people actually out on the floor servicing revenue a, again, some of the expense of their salaries mitigated, and then B, they get to like really, really visit with the clients, you know, and so they'll move their shifts around so they get to touch all the clients evenings, you know, mornings kind of move around. And then like beyond that, you employ a couple of part-timers. And it, the, the mindset here, Stacey, is that if that one look, consumer-facing term is director of training, for the purposes of this conversation, we'll call them general manager. If that person could get their arms around 130 people and train them all, they would. They just simply can't work that many hours. So they're employing a couple of people to help them train their clients, if that makes sense. So that that one person is key, but I think you could say that with any business. I'm sure in the concept that you owned, like your manager was key. If you got a great manager, things go well. If you don't, it doesn't. That's any business, right? So we've got all these tools in place, talent acquisition vendor. We've written the scripts to find this person. We've got screening, like, you know, uh, testing that we can give these folks to see if they're hardwired to do the job. And if you put that person in there, it's a very low labor model. 
and the person does service a little revenue and employ a couple of part-timers. Because of that, it would make it difficult for that person to then go manage other facilities, right? Because again, that then the burden of that salary would be 100% on the business without any of that being mitigated by them servicing revenue. It works though, I'll tell you, like, look, it's a low labor model. There's three people in there. We've got people that planned on keeping their corporate job. Once things jumped off and it looked, it was going really well for them, they're like, I'm not keeping this job. If I can do as well in this business, I'm going to do it. They leave and they're there, you know, kissing babies and slapping backs and being sort of the face of the business. They're not servicing any revenue. They might have a full-time coach and a couple of part-timers, but you know, that model works as well. So there's a lot of ways to skin it, but typically your main person whether it's your lead trainer or the director of training, the manager, if you will, is going to service some revenue. And once you reach, as you guys know, or certainly, you know, Stacey, when you get to that sort of six to 10 club threshold, then you can look for a regional person to sit over top of those. But each club is, is self-sufficient with that one operator. And they're not that difficult to manage in a business model this simple, right? Okay. So the couple part-timers that you would employ then, are you looking for individuals with a personal training certification already, or does Alloy uh, provide certification? We provide that. So we're big advocates of how the athlete train the skill. And as you guys might imagine in the fitness space, like the athlete in this case, they looked apart. The they're fun to be around. You know, they're entertaining a little bit of a bartender because you are providing personal training to a small group of people. So you got to be able to make everyone feel special. Everyone gets what they need. Everyone needs their form coach. So you got to be able to bounce around a little bit. And again, we have screening tests to make sure that personality uh, profile is is you know achieved before they come on the team. And then once they do, it's just about you know keeping them on the team for as long as possible because you know a lot of them are physical therapy students or they're in their master's program or what have you. They do not have to have a national certification, though, to answer that, you know, bluntly. They, they're going to get an alloy cert um, when they're in-house, which makes it a lot more scalable for the owner. I mean, it's really going to be hard to go into market. You're opening six alloys and find a whole bunch of people that have master's degrees and all these advanced certifications. And they're also the right athlete. means they're a good team player and fun to be around. That's a bit of a unicorn. So we built it this way on purpose. We control all the programming corporately, so that also helps. We control all the algorithms that, that get them through all of our testing mechanisms when people first come in. It gets them from the door to the right level of program. So we try to handle as much and take as much of the burden off of the facilities corporately to handle that so that they don't have to go and, and find those unicorns. It makes it much easier for the franchisee. No, that's excellent. So one other unique aspect about Alloy Personal Training is that you have, and correct me if I'm wrong, in terminology, I don't want to get in the class discussion again, but you have, <laughs> you, have <laughs> a, you, you have a uh, one pod or two pod type of layout. Is that accurate? It is, but you know what? As of last year, we eliminated the two pod. Sounds crazy because it's like, well, geez, just and and for those listeners, you know, like, what does that mean? A pod would be, it's a, it's a racking system that holds all the equipment and all the space in front of it for one coach to effectively train up to six people. So we call that Stronger One, right, which is about 1,500 to 2,000 square feet. And Stronger Two, another pod, double the space. Well, what's interesting about that, Stacy, is there's something called Dunbar's number, and it's essentially the cognitive ability to maintain relationships with people outside of like really close friends and family. And the magic number based on 
Dunbar, who's a, a British scientist studying, you know, ancient civilizations all the way up to now is 150 people. It's also sometimes referred to as the rule of 150. That's that that type of culture that we talked about earlier. Well, I know everyone's name. I know their kids' names. I know what they like to do. I know where they're going on vacation, right? So simply adding another pod and going to say 260 to 275, you lose a little bit of that. Now, what's the result of that? A little bit more churn, right? So that means now you have to have a dedicated salesperson. So your labor increases exponentially, more so than the revenue, right? So it seems like an easy, just add another pod, right? But there's so many little complexities that make it more difficult. Um, and as you know, scale alone makes something more complex. So if we're going to put 1,000 of these things around, which we are, then uh, we're going to keep it simple and just go stronger one and return on like getting to 130 is easier, keeping the 130 is easier, everything's simpler about it. And it makes it just easier to understand for people to get their arms around it. So no more stronger two, stronger one only moving forward. Well, thank makes you. For th that makes sense. And it makes absolute sense. I mean, now that you've gone into the rationalization of it. Um, no, thank you for the clarification. I like that. Um, okay. So, uh, and I'll leave this up to Clay or Rick, but any item 19 information that you can share on the financial opportunity, certainly not asking you to divulge anything you're not allowed to, but, you know, margins, percentages, averages, what do you have for us? You know, I would love to let Clay answer this, but in keeping with our normal relationship, I'm going to talk over him. Which he loves. <laughs> Your story, man. I'm just telling you. Why did I even show up today, Rick? I'm like, don't put the founder on the call. This is what happens every time. Clay knows this. Love it. like, this is going to be terrible. Look at him. Love it. Go for it. So here's what's in the item 19. And here's what it means, right? Average spend per member, about 300 bucks. I think that we'll see an uptick in that in next year's FDD, but we'll leave it at that. So still pretty high, right? For any boutique concept. Average spend, about 300 bucks. Average retention, 97%. So if you look at people that are going to stay longer and pay longer, pay more and pay longer, then what that number ends up, um, you know, becoming, Stacey, is what we call lifetime value. And I think any small business owner is looking for that. So what does that mean? Well, it, you know, if you said, okay, our average member stays 36 months. Now, granted, we're using corporate facilities for that because we haven't even been franchising that long. But if our average member stayed, which it did in our corporate facilities for 36 months, it's like 36 months times $300 is around $11,000, right? I sit on the board for a company called the Fitness Business Association, which is a governing body, if you will, for boutique fitness. The average class-based concept, people stay five months and pay $130 a month. So it's like $650 roughly. So I'm like, okay, if the customer acquisition cost is the same, do I want the customer that's going to have a lifetime value of $650? are the one that's going to have a lifetime value of $11,000. And obviously it's a rhetorical question, but I think that's quite honestly the the biggest metric that you can extrapolate from our, you know, extract from our item 19 and say, okay, I, I, I understand this. It's a, it's a ramp quickly and hold business. Our customers spend more and stay longer. And that's the real, from a financial standpoint, the real advantage of the business model. That's Clay, funny. did I do well? You nailed it. <laughs> Would you have said it any differently? I just, just want to make sure. You, you took the words from Perfect. Mouth. I got it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thumbs up to the founder today. Good job, Rick. Um, well, I heard some exciting news, and this was so timely given we were meeting today for this podcast. 
an announcement for three territories sold in the Palm Beach County area, which I live in. So, um, oh my gosh, I cannot wait. And, uh, you know, what a target-rich environment. You have older people like myself. You have people with lots of money. And (laughs) so I think you have a recipe for success down here. Um, yeah, we were so excited. I've been so excited to get to that area. You know, I, through our licensing, we worked with tons of clubs in like, you know, West Palm Beach and, you know, Jupiter and those areas. And they were always amazing. And they, their businesses always did really well. So we were super excited to finally have a franchisee partner, you know, a franchise partner in that area. So we're excited. And listen, if you come in and grace us with your presence, no doubt the thing is going to sell out. So I'm really going to count on you showing up with your, you know, 30 year old self claiming to be older than you are and help us sell the facility. You know, Uh, I really would appreciate that. I will be there. (laughs) Don't you worry. Um, All right. So on a last note, and I mean, we'll stay with Rick since Rick likes to talk more (laughs) than Clay. Um, What's your vision? What, what does the future in the next couple of years look like for Alloy Personal Training, Rick? Yeah, I mean, look, sales and you know growth. I would say, you know, awarding franchises has really been. I mean, Clay does a great job. We're a great partnership with these guys, and they really know what they're doing. And so, development has been great. Validation has so far been great. So, our vision, um, our if, you know, our BHAG, if you will, you know, for 2030 is 800 locations, and we've run the demographics on every major metropolitan area. We have very specific criteria to to put, you know, our franchisees in the most advantageous position. And I think we can get there. I really do. I mean, we already have um, all kinds of interesting opportunities, right, that are probably too early to discuss. We even have a lot of international folks through our work that we've done in licensing, reaching out that are master franchises of other fitness concepts that want to put us under their banner as well, because we're a different category and vertical. They could sell into market. So we've got some things cooking there. But that's... That, you know, we're just talking about continental U.S., you know, a runway of, of 800. And so that's where we want to be ultimately by 2030. But I would say in the next few years, we're just plugging away. I know Repham has some lofty goals for us. But, uh, yeah, right now we're blocking and tackling, as you know, just trying to keep this thing on the rails and make sure our franchisees are successful. We're really good at that, by the way. Like we've been 31 years helping clubs be operationally successful. The Repham team, Clay, everybody on that side, they're really good at helping develop a franchise. So like that partnership has been key and we only anticipate that getting better. So yeah, I hope that answers your question. But I mean, nothing short of world domination, Stacey, is probably what I'd like to say. Well, Rick, I would expect nothing less given your history. So (laughs) So, yeah, I, I know the future is bright for Alloy and, you know, the international aspect and uh, I guess presence you already have through the licensing only, you know, helps elevate that and will help you grow even more quickly. So uh, Clay, thank you so much for joining us today and being Rick's wingman in this podcast. And <laughs> Rick, you have built a phenomenal brand. And for anybody out there that is interested in learning more about the Alloy Personal Training uh, franchise concept, territory availability, uh, etc., please feel free to reach out to me at Stacy at FusionFranchising.com. Gentlemen, thank you again. Uh, I wish you nothing but the best.
Like it, Stacey. You're the best. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Thank you.